0: Welcome to WNHH 103.5 FM, Law, Life, and Culture. I'm Betsy Kim. The Fairhaven Community Health Center began serving New Haven in 1971 under the leadership of the Alliance for Latin American Progress. It first opened at an elementary school two nights a week. Doctors, nurses, and volunteer students provided services for minor ailments, immunizations, and family planning. That year, there were 500 patient visits and a budget of $5,000 from the Community Foundation of New Haven. Since then, the center has grown to providing comprehensive primary health care at its main location at 374 Grand Avenue, another facility on Grand Avenue, five school-based health centers, and at Bella Vista Elderly Housing Complex. The center now serves approximately 16,000 patients with over 60,000 visits per year. But now with the proposed federal budget cuts, threats to federal funding, and stricter deportation enforcement of undocumented immigrants, what lies ahead for the center? On the phone, we are joined by Dr. Susan Lagarde, MD, MBA, and a Fellow of American Colleges and Physicians. She is the Chief Executive Officer of the Fairhaven Community Health Center, and will discuss what the center is facing and how it will continue to serve New Haven. Dr. Lagarde, welcome to Law, Life & Culture.
1: Good afternoon, thank you.
0: Now, Dr. Lagarde, let's first talk about the services the center provides. How do you differ from just say, a large hospital emergency room, which can provide primary healthcare services to patients in need?
1: So um, I think I would first make the comment that most emergency rooms really don't provide chronic care, continuous care to patients. They are an urgent visit facility. They're there for the one-time visit. What with community health centers like Fairhaven do is we care for patients and their families longitudinally over time. We deal with their chronic diseases as well as the acute problems, as long as they're not you know life threatening, which then obviously does require the services of an emergency room. <laughs> so we provide a, a wide spectrum of services, uh, uh, all primary care. So literally from cradle to grave, we provide uh, prenatal services. We have a very robust nurse midwifery program. We deliver. Babies, Um, and then in addition to uh, medical care, we provide dental care, behavioral health, vision services, and and something that's increased that we've recognized in recent years as increasingly important is that we provide these services in what we call an integrated fashion. So when you come to us for say your diabetes, we're we're there and able to help with your. Uh, maybe your depression, uh, you can see the dentist at the same time, you can get an eye exam. We want to do things in an integrated fashion where the providers know you as a whole and they know all aspects of your care. Uh, The other thing that distinguishes health centers is we look at uh, something we call social determinants of health. So we've long recognized that health doesn't occur in a vacuum uh there are many external factors that impact health uh things such as uh poverty food insecurity uh trauma stress stress in one's life and those are all aspects of a person's um being that we try to address in an integrated fashion at our health centers
0: so who are the majority of patients whom the center treats
1: so we are, by virtue of our name, in the Fair Haven section of New Haven. Uh, that community, for more than a century, has been a welcoming community to immigrants. Uh, around the turn of the 19th century, between around 1900, it was a, a predominantly Italian immigrant community, and over time that has changed. And today it is a largely Hispanic community. So we we serve uh, every. Anyone and everyone who comes to our doors, regardless of their ability to pay, uh, most of our patients are from this community. So Hispanic, most are low income, um, most are minority. Uh, in the past year, uh, in in response to uh, a very obvious need beyond the Fairhaven community, we've expanded and we've gone across the Quinnipiac River to East Haven where we've opened a site there um, last May.
0: Now, are most of the patients currently insured under the Affordable Care Act or private insurance or are many simply uninsured?
1: So um, Fairhaven Community Health Center uh, still serves a, uh, a population of uninsured patients of about 25 percent. We actually are, earlier on you mentioned that we serve 16,000. We are growing, we're actually now closer to 18,000 uh, patients that we serve in a year. And uh, we look at the, we follow these statistics very carefully, and we know that just about 25% of our patients are uninsured today, even in the in with the Affordable Care Act. And that's because the vast majority of these patients are uninsurable due to their immigration status. Most of them are um, um, do not qualify for insurance under under the Affordable Care Act. The remainder of our patients, a large uh, over 50%, are Medicaid recipients and then the rest are made up of either commercial insurers or Medicare.
0: Now, although Congress did not vote to repeal the Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare, or to repeal and replace it, if it were repealed with no comparable governmental program, how would this affect your patients?
1: Uh, It would... Be a huge impact, uh, and obviously the devil's in the details. I mean, if I, I don't even when I'm I'm, I'm uh, most pessimistic, I, I certainly don't think it's going to be fully repealed with nothing to replace it. But the uh, the discussions that we hear coming out of Washington about various changes to what Medicaid will look like uh, are of great concern to us. Um, Uh, right now the reason we can care for such a large percentage of uninsured and I I should point out that there are 16 federally qualified health centers in the state of Connecticut and we have the largest percentage of uninsured patients it's it's again because of who we are and where we are and we have to rely on the the 75% of our patients who do have insurance and again the majority of those are Medicaid patients we have to rely on those to allow us to continue all of our programs for all, all of our patients. So if Medicaid shrinks, which in every form that has been discussed to date uh, in the, uh, the, the changes that are, are proposed to come out of Washington, that will very significantly impact our patients. To what degree obviously remains to be seen based on uh, uh, the final details, but uh, there, make no, no, make no mistake. We will have more uninsured patients. Uh, If you recall a few weeks ago, when this was really a a hot topic in the news, uh, the um, Congressional Budget Office uh, announced that, under the the then proposal, that 24 million Americans would lose coverage. Um, That will obviously affect all of Connecticut because the state of Connecticut availed itself of, of most of what the Affordable Care Act has to offer, and that would all go away. So there is absolutely no question that the number of insured would increase uninsured would increase in this state as well and would increase for us. and that would be a very um, concerning event to be sure.
0: Now, I'm sure you've heard of disgruntled voices perhaps from people unhappy with their own insurance or unhappily working at jobs, often to cover the insurance of their own families. And as the presidential election perhaps has shown, some people may not support uh, providing affordable health care to other people. They may see this as unfairly taking from their hard-earned income through higher taxes to pay for someone else's responsibilities. What's your response to that sentiment?
1: So you know, I will. Res- I respect everyone's uh, ability to have an opinion for themselves. So I'm speaking for myself personally. I feel ex- very, very strongly that that healthcare is is, is a right. Uh, that uh, it defines who we are as a nation. Uh, if we are um, uh, willing to turn a blind eye to those amongst us who are less fortunate, who are. More vulnerable. Um, uh, The patients I serve are great human beings. They are hard workers. They care for their family and their children just like you and I do. Um, And uh, because of circumstances, where they were born, uh, you know, what nationality they were born as, there there are so many circumstances in their lives that impacted where they are today that were beyond their control. Uh, It just seems to me uh, uh, it goes against the fabric of who we are as human beings uh, to deny health care. One of the things that I like to say, think of have a, a parent, and think of your child and think of what the pain, how painful it must be, knowing that you are unable to provide health care to your child. Your child is sick, your child needs you know immunizations, needs things to give them the chance to grow up to be a healthy, productive human being, and you're in a position where just uh, not necessarily through any fault of your own. Um, you're unable to do that so uh, personally speaking personally I uh, feel very strongly that this is something that uh, every every person uh, regardless of their, their their ethnicity, their birthplace, uh, what have you uh, they they deserve quality health care.
0: Okay speaking in practical terms, how does the Fair Haven Community Health Center benefit those in New Haven who, do not receive medical care from the center? For example, with public health and safety concerns or long-term costs for the community or importance of the vitality of a diverse community, can you address the people who perhaps don't come to the center, how they benefit from So, it?
1: so let me say first and foremost, we are an economic engine. So in the Fairhaven community, we are the second largest employer. Uh, second only to the Mary Wade nursing home facilities. Uh, we, impl- we employ currently uh, over 215 staff members. Uh, I'm very proud of the fact that uh, approximately a third of our staff live in 06513, which is the community in which we predominantly serve. Um, and similarly over half of our staff are Hispanic so they they come from the again in maybe they may not reside immediately in our neighborhood but they are part of the fabric that makes up the the bulk of the patients that who who we are honored to uh, take care of so certainly as an economic engine there's no question that we are a a key player Um, we also are are, I believe very good uh, citizens for the city of New Haven uh, we um, participate. We, you know, collaboration is critical in, in so many aspects of what we do. We collaborate with other agencies. We collaborate with the City of New Haven. We collaborate with Yale New Haven Hospital on so many different initiatives. You know, just this evening, for instance, um, uh, at our at our center, in collaboration with the uh, Quinnipiac Law School, we are we hosted a Know Your Rights uh, forum for uh, residents of our community. So. We are working with Quinnipiac law students who are eager to help uh, our patient population uh, know what their rights are, not only with respect to immigration law, which is obviously a hot topic these days, but also with all other aspects of law, whether it's domestic violence, workplace safety, etc., that they may otherwise not have um, ready access to, to, to legal advice. So. We are, we partner in so many ways with so many different uh, community agencies that our impact uh, even beyond the traditional healthcare uh, arena I think goes pretty far and wide.
0: Yeah, and I was also um, asking and wondering about for public health reasons, if you have sick people, it's good to get diseases or other um, illnesses under control to keep it from spreading to a greater population. Is that also, do you think a big benefit of your health
1: center? Oh well of course I think that would be true of, of pretty much any health facility so we're uh, you know a key thing that we do, do with children is and to a lesser extent but also with adults our immunizations uh, I we have a um, you know our director of infection control is always is is in close contact with the uh, Public Health Department of the City of New Haven and just recently we made similar connections with each school East Shore Health District, which is the counterpart for the towns of Branford, East Haven, and North Haven, uh, North Branford, and uh, so we're always on the lookout. So, for instance, in, you know, reporting uh, reportable diseases, communicable diseases, making sure that we care for them properly. That if they're identified or suspected, you know, they're transported and cared for in the safest possible way. Uh, we do drills for you know emergency preparedness for disaster drills whether they're weather, disasters, uh, um, you know, even, we even, you know, prepare for a terrorist. I mean, there are all kinds of um, uh, preparedness actions that we undertake.
0: How would your center be affected if Obamacare were repealed and it became up to the private sector to provide insurance with patients having the responsibility of obtaining their own insurance through the open marketplace?
1: So let me be clear, I, I, don't th- I really don't think for a second that Obamacare, or I, I tend to prefer to call it the Affordable Care Act, will be repealed and not replaced. I, I, I do not see that happening. Uh, that's not to say I don't think there will be some very, as I mentioned earlier, shrinking of particularly Medicaid. Don't forget with the, the Affordable Care Act, there was something called the Medicaid expansion which was that currently the cutoff for uh, uh, income eligibility for Medicaid uh, is up to 138% of the federal poverty limit. Uh, That went from 100% to 138% under the Medicaid expansion. A large number of people qualified for Medicaid because of that. That would go away. The numbers of uninsured would increase. Revenues would fall. I mean, I mean, we are a business. We are a nonprofit, but we are a business. We have to, you know, at the end of the day, balance our books. We have to have enough revenue, enough income to generate the cost it takes to 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 pay our staff. One of the things we did this past year that I'm extremely proud of um, is that we raised our minimum wage at at our facility to fifteen dollars. and we did that in recognition. That we wanted our staff to earn a living wage. I mean, we is we are we are devoted to our patients, but we also want to be a good employer and devoted to our staff. But again, there are costs. So as much as we you know can get grants and we have some funding from the federal government, uh, make no mistake. If uh, you know, I I I. I am very fearful of what might come out of Washington, and if you couple that with the fact that the state of Connecticut currently is facing some very dire financial difficulties of its own, what that means is any cutbacks from the, the feds—it's not. I'm not terribly optimistic that the state is going to be able to come and pick up the slack. So yeah, in- I think the whatever happens in Washington is going to come unfiltered and impact our health centers uh, directly.
0: If that occurred with the shrinking of Medicaid, for example, would there be outreach um, for help or assistance from the greater New Haven community that the center would plan to undertake?
1: So I, you know, we have always uh, uh, benefited and appreciated a lot of support from the community, both in spirit, uh, in dollars, but it, it takes a lot of money to run a health center that cares for 18,000 uh, people a year, and in, in, in all aspects of their care. Uh, so I, you know, I, you know, in my wildest dreams, I don't think uh, the kind of deficits that we're anticipating might come from Washington. Uh, I don't think. I don't see how it could be made up. I, I really don't. I mean, I, I think. You know, I suspect there'll be some outpouring of help. I do suspect the state will respond in some way, uh, but uh, it, it, it could be a um, it could have a very significant impact, and not just on Fair Haven Community Health Center. I just want to point out again, we're one of 60 health centers throughout the state. Collectively, we care for uh, about 350,000 uh, uh, residents of the state of Connecticut. Um, and this would impact every single health center uh, in this country, as certainly in the state.
0: Now, I've lived in other communities where hospitals and healthcare centers ended up closing, and that jeopardized the well-being of other neighboring hospitals by adding to their roster uninsured and other patients, throwing the economic balance of healthcare for a larger population out of balance. Would that be a risk or happen? Noting your center's role and services in the community.
1: So I think the current difficult financial times, again, both what might come out of Washington and what already exists in Connecticut, is a challenge to all healthcare delivery systems in the state. Um, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, we're already seeing within the hospital industry consolidation, where smaller hospitals are being are you know joining larger health systems. Um, you know uh, that we might see that amongst community health centers. Uh, certainly, historically, community health centers across the country have closed. They have uh, not in recent years, but in in since community health centers came to be, which was about fifty-two years ago, there have been health centers in the state of Connecticut that have closed. So, uh, you know, while it's it's um, not something I. <laughs> i like to think about very much um you know i think so much is the devil is so much in the details sure, we, we, we really don't know what's going to come out of washington
0: for our uh, listeners and
1: um, uh, i you know I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping that uh what we're hearing on you know national news that community you know individuals in this country really really like you know, their insurance and okay. their coverage through the Affordable Care Act. Certainly. And <laughs> uh, that, that message is getting through to their legislators and that, in in fact, um, the best solution would be to fix oh, the Affordable Care Act. It, you know, the, the problem with it has to do with, you know, competitions in certain local areas and um, uh, the ability to... Um, Uh, competition in the market.
0: Certainly. Now, for our listeners, um, may I just um, put in this announcement? For our listeners, this is WNHH 103.5 FM, Law, Life, and Culture, with Dr. Suzanne Lagarde, the Chief Executive Officer of the Fairhaven Community Health Center. Now, I know with the center's historic roots, it, its concerns extend beyond Latino and immigrants' health care, as in March, you participated in a panel at Planned Parenthood of Southern Connecticut to protect women's health care. I believe this was shortly after the bill to repair, repeal, rather, Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act was announced. Can you tell me a little bit about
1: that meeting? So that was actually a, a, a press conference that was sponsored by Congresswoman Rosa DeLauro and it was to highlight the uh, concerns that was, you know, the rhetoric coming out of Washington about defunding Planned Parenthood and also about what would happen if the uh, uh, pro- proposal then on the, on the table in, in the House uh, actually was passed, as we know that, that so far that has not passed. So let me just say up front that Fair Haven Community Health Center and Planned Parenthood uh, here in New Haven have partnered together literally from the very beginning of our existence to provide uh, uh, high quality family planning services to all, again, all who come to our doors, primarily low-income women. So we have partnered with Planned Parenthood. They are our colleague. They are one of our many uh, collaborators and should... Uh, should Congress defund Planned Parenthood, it will impact us as well. But we remain committed to the relationship with our colleagues there. Uh, We share a very similar mission of wanting to provide high quality, uh, affordable care to all women uh, in the greater New Haven area. Now,
0: subsequent to this press conference in mid-April, President Trump signed an executive order to cut federal funding to health care centers which provide abortions, including Planned Parenthood. This nullified an order President Obama issued that would have prevented state and local governments from withholding federal funds for qualified health care providers if they provided abortion services. How does this latest executive order affect the center?
1: So... Because we are in Connecticut, I don't think it's going to have an impact. So what that what that piece of legislation did, uh, what President Obama did was he protected uh, uh, organizations like Planned Parenthood that do perform abortions by stating that a state receiving federal funds and then passing those federal funds on to agencies could not discriminate on which sites receive the funds based on whether or not they performed abortions. And that it was that that uh, President Trump removed. Um, so now that decision is in the hands of the governors of each state. We, we are fortunate in that we're in a state uh, led by a governor who uh, shares certainly my values when it comes to issues of funding or, or not defunding Planned Parenthood. So I don't anticipate that, at least under the Malloy administration, that we will see that enacted. But it certainly will impact uh, other states in the country where the um, governorship is not as friendly to, to, this, to this cause. But if the Congress chose truly to defund Planned Parenthood, that would be taking it out of the hands of the governors and it would be a federal decision. And that, and that would have some, some very real consequences.
0: What is your response to individuals who say, "I'm pro-life," and I agree with President Trump and Vice President Pence, I don't want public funding going to support facilities that provide abortions?
1: I would say I, I absolutely respect your your right to have that opinion. Um, I, you know, obviously, I don't share that opinion. Uh, but I, I, I believe you know what makes America great is the, is the diversity of opinion, and uh, I respect people who have, who are pro-life. Um, um, yeah, you know, I, I think I will. I'd leave it there.
0: Okay. Now, your website notes that the center received federal funding a three hundred and thirty grant in the nineteen eighties for one of its major expansions. Could a cut in federal funding based on this reproductive services executive order or other you know, federal cuts noted in uh, Trump's proposed budget uh, force the center to eliminate services? And if so, in what way? Like what would you imagine you would have to shrink?
1: So what makes, let me just clarify something so you, for you and your listeners, um, the 330 grant is is, is the basis of what makes us a federally qualified health center. So yes, it was awarded in the 1980s, but it's it's funding that we receive annually from the federal government to provide the services that we do. Um, it's somewhat of a complicated formula by how, how the amount is arrived at, but nevertheless, it is a, a significant source of funding for all community health centers. Um, that funding is a separate issue. Uh, and and actually it's an interesting topic of conversation because our funding uh, nationwide is up for renewal in September. If that funding is not renewed, roughly 70 percent of our 330 funds uh, would go away. Um, I can say that uh, at least in recent years we have enjoyed bipartisan support in Congress And I am cautiously optimistic that uh, with the new budget in in by September, that they will renew that funding. Uh, But it it certainly is, you know, I mean, if they cut it significantly, it's it's another, it's it's a separate issue. Has nothing to do with the Medicaid issue and the Affordable Care Act. But if that funding were, were significantly cut, that would be a similar blow to our ability to do what we do today.
0: In another hot button issue, Trump has made arrests and deportation of undocumented immigrants a priority of his administration. On April 17th, CNN reported from January 20th to March 19th of this year, there were 21,363 arrests of undocumented immigrants, including 5,441 non-criminals. Have such actions affected the center and its patients? And if so, in what way?
1: So the anxiety in our community is palpable. Uh, We every day hear sad stories, parents keeping children from school. Uh, We had a very, you know, We've had uh, staff members who were here as Dreamers DACA, who have literally become so fearful of, of deportation, they've decided to, you know, withdraw their status. I think that's probably an unwise decision, but we've seen it happen. Um, we know anxiety levels have really skyrocketed. Our behavioral health uh, providers are, you know, struggling to even keep up with the demand. Um, and you know, in, in, even beyond immigration, uh, uh, we're we're seeing a lot of, well, I don't, we're seeing more um, difficult rhetoric amongst amongst people. So we had, for instance, a thirteen-year-old boy who was hit by a who was not seriously injured but who was, who, who was told by the driver of the automobile that they, he could not call the cops because if he did, the driver was going to call, call immigration. I mean, it's that sort of rhetoric that really is, I think, people, you know, children not knowing as much, say to other children, uh, are you going to be, you know, are you going to have to leave this country? Are you going to have to go back to Mexico? Are you going to have to go back to wherever? And I think that that's, it's a very sad because, again, you uh, uh, I, we care for a, a, a great population of hardworking uh, residents and uh, this is a very alienating time for them. Um, so the, the impact is, is very real. As
0: reported in the New Haven Independent, Mayor Tony Harp has declared New Haven a sanctuary city. Our local law enforcement will not actively assist ICE Immigration and Customs Enforcement in targeting undocumented immigrants who are not accused of committing any crimes. The city's police general order directs police officers not to ask about immigration status when they stop or interview people. The mayor stated that New Haven, as one of 300 sanctuary cities, counties, and states across the country, will continue to embrace and welcome residents from wherever they live. Now, President Trump has threatened to withhold federal grants from sanctuary cities, those that refuse to comply with a federal law that requires local governments to share information, including individuals' immigration status with federal authorities. I understand such grants include community development block grants, education funding, and infrastructure. Could withheld funding which pertains to sanctuary cities also affect the center?
1: Oh, absolutely. We we through the city we have received community development block grants from many for many years, we're actually currently uh, looking to repair our leaking roof with a community development block grant uh, that comes from HUD, but passed through the city of New Haven. Um, So there's no question that that would impact uh, us, but I I would say that I would wholeheartedly support the mayor's decision to stand by our status as a sanctuary city, even if these, uh, I think rather harsh Um, uh, impacts would be felt as a result of of changes in Washington. But, uh, yeah, no question that that that, that would impact us as well. I think it would impact, you know, from what I understand, and I'm, I'm no expert on this, you know, our educational funding as well, which would be a huge issue.
0: How do you respond to people who say... People should not be in this country illegally, and they should not be using our limited public resources. So, the president is right to enforce these immigration laws. What's your response to that?
1: So, I I do respect the fact that we are a country of laws, and we want to respect that. However, we also have to be uh, humanitarians and recognize that the vast majority of people who came to this country came so in, in. in an attempt to looking for the better life, I think every one of us here. My my father was an immigrant. My grandparents on my mother's side were immigrants, and uh, so much of, of our uh, who we are is obviously based on on immigration. So it, it's it's a difficult topic. I, I, I understand that, but uh, I I feel very strongly that we cannot uh, penalize. Uh, our neighbors and our uh, coworkers, uh, because um, you know they, they they sought a better life because that's after all what we all are doing and what all of our parents and our forebears did.
0: Now, with medical records, there can be special privacy concerns. I think. PayPal co-founder Peter Thiel is also developing a system, investigative case management, that can gather information on individuals from various government databases such as the TSA. And that can include names, ages, addresses, its original purpose was beefing up security against terrorism. However, now groups like the ACLU have concerns that it could be used for immigration enforcement. Do you feel health care records, especially those already tied to the government, such as with Medicare or Medicaid, could also be used for immigration prosecution and deportations?
1: So, um, you know, I don't know that I'm the most expert person to address those issues. I can say that there are fairly strict privacy laws already in place called HIPAA uh, that preclude sharing of health records unless you know, warrants or there is suspicion of criminal activity. Uh, I would hope that they that those would prevail in, in, in future rulings, but, Beyond that, I I don't know what else to say. I think think health records should remain private, and and I do think that we have fairly good uh, rules in place, at least today, that that people should feel that their records are, uh, are, are are quite safe.
0: Okay, okay. Finally, if listeners recall just one point from our conversation, What would be the one message you hope they take to heart and remember or consider days, weeks, or even years from now?
1: Well, I mean, um, you know, places like Fairhaven Community Health Center exist because there is a human need, because there's human suffering. And I can tell you, Um, that it's uh, a very rich experience to be able to not only help people to wellness and help people feel better, but there's a richness in the experience of just getting to know uh, these people, know their families, know their lives, and be a part of them, and be honored uh, to be able to take care of them. So I guess my message would be if if, uh, that... You know we're all human beings we're all on this earth for a very limited period of time and uh, the more we can work with each other to help each other make each other's life that much better uh, we all benefit and and that's certainly what we try to do every day at Fairhaven Um, and what we will continue to try to do to the best of our ability no matter what comes out of Washington uh, because that's who we are we've been there now for over 46 years and um, uh, we hope to be there for another 46 years.
0: Well, thank you very much, Dr. Suzanne Lagarde, the CEO of Fairhaven Community Health Center. We enjoyed your speaking with us today. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us on Law, Life, and Culture. I'm Betsy Kim.